have to like formally re-get back into this because we have been away. We've been away. We took some time off to mentally, physically, spiritually recharge. Because <laughs> the world is wild. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm still doing that. And I think that's why our episodes aren't going to be as frequent because we just need, we recognize the space needed to just decompress. That and there's so much, there's fucking noise mm-hmm. that uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy doing this and this will be really fun for like my grandkids to listen to one day, hopefully. Like, and it's it's fun, like it's good, like I can practice talking about ideas that I haven't fully flushed out and things that I'm thinking about. And it helps me in client meetings and it'll help me with this product that we're building and uh, just other things like that. So that's why I do this. Um, mm-hmm. And it just doesn't, there just doesn't need to be more voices in the world right now necessarily because especially, I mean, I don't know. I wish everyone would just shut the fuck up for three months. <laughs> yeah i laugh only because that's my coping mechanism yeah like i like i i would love if someone shut down twitter and facebook and instagram and just made it inaccessible for three months yeah the only the only thing you can do is like message people because people that's a that's a form of how people communicate you can't do that whatever uh call them yeah right like I want, otherwise I'll just, it should all just go away. Um, and then I, I watched a documentary yesterday, yesterday, Sunday, um, the social dilemma on Netflix just came out. Was it good? Everyone 1000% needs to watch it, take notes, watch it again. It's, it's everything that I've always talked about with like being skeptical of technology and, the apps we use and the motivations behind building the products that we all use and things like that. Um, but it's spoken about in a much more intellectual, um, more thoughtful, more comprehensive way than I could ever present it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a bunch of people who used to be at, they worked at Google and Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and they all left because those those places are not they have ethical concerns about the way that those technologies are being used interesting and so I, remember, I think i remember hearing rumors about this or maybe you were talking about it and i'll have to add that to my list asap it's uh it's a it's a must watch they go through and they break down like how the algorithms work what the algorithms are doing uh like they explain really well that Instagram, Twitter, these platforms are not a product for you. You are the product for those platforms. Yeah. Right. And so they do a really good job of, of explaining that and breaking that down. And it's interesting to see, they kind of do more, a little bit more global examples. And there's actually like all the civil unrest that's happening here has been happening in other countries too. Yeah. Like there's this an interesting and and even before this year, right? It's happened 
it happened a couple of years ago or it happened last year, all of these different things. And it's interesting to see the data on uh, the spikes in mental illness and d- depression and suicide and how it all coincides with mobile access to social media platforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, like these things are just, they're just fucking bad for you. And by continuing to use them, we are putting money in the pockets of people who are not using or no longer using these platforms for good. Cause I don't think that any of these platforms were like set out to be like, Oh, we're going to destroy the world. Like, right. Like I think like Facebook was a very like noble pursuit in the beginning of like, let's connect people who maybe have lost connection or who are like on campus together. Right. That was, mm-hmm. we're going to connect people. Like that's, that's a good thing. But with everything, right, too much of a good thing can become a bad thing. There's, there's problems with, in excess of everything. I mean, everything we do is digitally based. Like, all, it's so tech-reliant now that, like, we almost lost our way in terms of, like, what happens if it were all to go away? Like, would you know what to do? Like, can you read a map? Like, can you, like, I think do these basic things? I think it's way worse. Like, can you read a book? Can you sit down and read a book? Can you because sit down- of your attention span? Right. And can you sit down and think critically about an issue? Right. Can you think, can you think through the fourth, fourth order effects of a single event? Right. Yeah. No. And no, one, no one cares because it's just, it's what's hot now. And three months from now, it'll be something else. And it doesn't matter. Because we've gotten so, our attention span has gotten so short from like, from now until three minutes from now, but that short attention span and that rapid movement of onto the next, onto the next, onto the next has also made us myopic in looking backwards. Mm -hmm. We forget history so much faster. Yeah, it's true. Everything's been rewired. And it's crazy because I feel like our generation who grew up as technologies developed, like there's so much like that we did that like, I feel like forces like our perception of like, like we even recognize it in ourselves. Like, Oh, I don't have, like, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing like Y X, Y, Z. Like, you know, I think you and I are really good still about picking up a, like a, a paperback book and being like, I'm going to set time aside and like get away from my screen. But like, I think there are a lot of people who just podcast now because they can't, they don't want to read. They want it someone done to them. Like, they want someone to like, do it for them and read for them or an audiobook or whatever. And I'm almost like, I find myself drifting away from an audiobook, but like when I actually have it in my, like, like contextually, like in my person and I'm like absorbing it, then I'm like not, then I can actually focus, but I don't, I know that's not the case for so many people. And it's crazy. Cause it's like the people who, who have grown up in this like tech focused world, know they don't know any other idea of like, they don't have to lug home their U S history books because it's on their iPad. Yeah. When we were so, we're so addicted to being overly stimulated. 
Yeah, like, I mean, I literally have you on two screens right now while my TV's on and my phone's right here. Right. And yeah. that's just like my life. And so in the documentary, they talk about how these people who built these products, they take social and psycho- psych- social behavior and like behavioral therapy and uh, persuasive something like they take all these classes about how and why people do things like mm-hmm. actual physical in the real world, how, the, why they do things. And they take those frameworks, those ideas, and they embed them into this technology. And so they're looking at like, okay, if in the real world, if like you pull the lever of a slot machine, right, there's, there's something that's happening in your brain that makes that exciting. And that gives you a hit of dopamine. And that's how they came up with the like pull to load more, swipe down, let go, mm-hmm. wheel spins, and then more stuff loads. It's designed to be like a slot machine to keep your attention on that platform. Yeah. And so it's super interesting. And it is very much an addiction. I'm like, over the last three weeks, I've been very trying to break my addiction to. Instagram and it sounds so fucking stupid saying that. No, it doesn't because so many of us are addicted to Instagram. Like it sounds it sounds absolutely insane. It sounds insane because it's the most basic thing you've ever said in your whole life. Yeah, but like I would be, I used to be on Instagram for two hours, an hour and a half, two hours a day. Mm-hmm. And now, like I told you before we started recording, I was on Instagram for twenty five minutes today. Yeah, I mean, I'm on TikTok like two hours a night. Never download a TikTok. That's Oracle. Okay, we have to touch base because did you hear about Oracle? Kind of, yeah. I don't know. This is like, I'm very, like, I heard about Oracle. I don't know what's actually going on. I don't know if they're actually buying it, if they're going to. What I've heard is that they're, they're going to they're gonna sell essentially the naming rights, but they're not releasing... Uh, ByteDance is not going to release the algorithm that powers TikTok. Yeah, it's going to spin off into a separate company, partly owned by Oracle. If the algorithm doesn't come with it, that's the part that needs to be banned from America is the algorithm. So like, it's going to be a shitty app without that algorithm. But that algorithm breaks all of the U.S. privacy laws. So the idea is that Oracle's going to provide the back-end technology to TikTok. So like the data that the the secondary app would collect is US owned, but it's not it's it's they're being choosy about what they feed back, I think is the whole idea. Yeah, who knows? It's all up in the air because obviously they just got like tapped this week, but yeah, my prediction is it doesn't work. Well, if people have to leave TikTok, they're not going to want, like, they're not going to want the second rate thing. Right. It's like the, already what we're seeing with like reels on Instagram. Like people have already forgotten that it exists. And it's not in, from, from my understanding, because I've never had TikTok. So this is just from what I've gathered from other people is that reels is an inferior product to TikTok but the reason TikTok is so good is because of the actual algorithm 
It, mm-hmm. it is collecting so much of your data and is so precise in how it collects your data and builds models around the things that you like. That that's why it's good is because it's so its recommendation model is so refined and so detailed that you're just stuck in it because it's just like they know exactly what you like, how much you like it, etc. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Like from a user experience point of view, like just to even create high end like any song you want, upload 12 clips and it'll perfectly align your clips with the music. And also you have this beautiful piece of video, like a video production that didn't make no sense. Like a video, like high quality production at your fingertips and it's done in under a minute. And it's like crazy because it's just like, I don't know. And it definitely does do well. But I think the crazy part is US users quickly call out being shadow banned. So like if they're not being like, if whatever the algorithm or whoever is at the keyboard, I mean, obviously, it's not just like one person behind a desk doing this. But like, if whoever or whatever the algorithm deems like this content not good or not necessary, like these people get like shadow banned, and then their content's like, not being delivered and so like like people have done tests where they're like i know certain accounts who have like over a million users and then they've created a second account and they just post one video and then all of a sudden like they have five hundred thousand followers in a day and they're like you found my new account in a day because it already knew to serve my new account to you yeah, and like I couldn't have a private account on TikTok because, or like, whatever. Right. So it's just been interesting to kind of see like it kind of like culminate and like, I don't know. Like I think there's been some really fun content that's come from it, and there's some really unique like personalities that have been discovered. Um, but that being said, TikTok just like Instagram, like you become known for doing one thing so like if someone really if people really like the one thing that you do or like just like instagram like your quality of photos like the minute that you find your thing like oh i hope i'm not known on tiktok for x then you become famous for that thing and then that's all you're stuck doing because people are so obsessed with like followers and users and whatever so like I don't know. It's like really fascinating. Like I've been having fun with it just from like a marketing standpoint. Like I try, like I test different videos at different times with like different lead images because the reality is like no matter what comes out or whatever, like depending on like what happens, like when you're in the marketing sphere, you're at that, the paid um, social side of a corporate company, like, you want to be versed in like what's working on these channels generally. And like, obviously we're not investing in TikTok right now because there's a ban on that, but it's really interesting. Like I like generally when you post one video, what I've noticed is it'll, it'll get whatever traction it gets in like the first couple of hours and then it dies off because it just gets like buried. There's so much content, so much content, but I recently posted one with like in the lead image using text. Like I've done it two two different times and I've chosen different placements for the text. And um, that one got two different surges of views. And so that was really interesting. Like 
one like the couple hours after it was posted and then like seven days later it got another surge of like users which i thought was really funny it's like every time i would log in it would have like 150 more views 150 more views like whatever right. so it's just been interesting because you come across these accounts where people are just trying to capitalize off a trend but the trends either moved on or you can't break into that group because it's so flooded or two, you have people trying their own original stuff, which is either well-liked or not well-liked and you have these one-offs. Um, or you have these like ridiculous personalities that people create that are just hilarious. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of a resurgence of the woman on YouTube who had all the red lipstick, Miranda. I think that was her name. Do you remember her? Not a clue. She had her own show on Netflix for a while. Um, for, it went one season and then it like tanked. Um, but uh, anyways, like it just feels like a lot like that. Like people are like, oh, you're the regular guy on Instagram, but you're the 50s, 1950s actor on TikTok. Like just people understanding that there's like, these almost like microcosms of like where you exist and like what you're, what you look like in different worlds. I don't know. It's just been really interesting to kind of see that environment kind of populate itself. Is that a, is that a thing where like people have uh, different like identities, if you will, on mm-hmm. Instagram versus TikTok versus somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. Like people have like reinvented it or they made one video and it went viral and then they became that person. Like there's this one guy who pretends to be like, um, Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek and he's hilarious and he's so good at her accent and like her entire like vernacular is like perfectly executed. And he's doing his own original versions of like her in different situations. There's like, a woman who pretends that she's Barbie and she does like all this ridiculous shit to Ken and like this one girl who's like a model on Instagram, but she pretends to be kind of like a crackhead on TikTok. That's how she brands it. And that's not my word choice. And then there is um, like this one woman who's like infamous for just like narrating charcuterie boards and like people just like obsessed with her videos. She narrates charcuterie boards. Yeah, she like sees what's going on. People are making charcuterie boards on TikTok. She duets the video, starts narrating what's happening and reacting to it as if she's like the one, like one person to like deem if your charcuterie board is good or not. And she's like, but the best part is she's not like some like uppity snob. She's just like this down to earth, like woman who just like really appreciates the honey stick and honeycomb when it's added and the little baby grapes that are added to little charcuterie boards. Like it, she just had, like, she found her little like niche and like there's one woman who like became, who be, who got her books like really famous on TikTok and she bought a Porsche because of all the funds that she got from all of her books but being published. And like, and then she's like super famous for tie dyeing and like, just like, all this crazy shit and like she's just been and she's like this awesome like Canadian woman and she's super hilarious or like the new thing is if you pick a project and people want to follow it so like this one couple found like an old Fisher Price dollhouse and they're remaking it to be like a spooky haunted house for Halloween or like a one woman like 
adopted a ton of ants. One woman like moved to Alaska on a whim during COVID and became a lawyer after she passed the bar. Like people want to follow your journey or your story or whatever you're selling. And so like when there's more than one thing connected to the video, then your like followers increase because people want to follow a journey or a storyline. And some of them is, some of them are true and some of them are not. Some of them are made up. Like, people create these alternate realities and some people are like, no, like I actually did this crazy thing. Like follow me along as I like, cause a lot of people are buying like buses and converting them into campers and like just moving around the whole U S and they're like, follow me as I revamp my van. And then I'm going to start leaving and going around the U S like follow me around like that type of stuff. It's really interesting. Um, so I feel like I probably talked about this before, but there's a concept of, called the look the looking glass self. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like nineteen about nineteen oh two, I believe. Let me see. Uh, but um, so looking, uh, yeah, Charles Horton Cooley. He's a sociologist. Individuals develop their concept of self by observing how they are perceived by others, a concept coolly coolly coined as the looking glass self. So essentially like the way they phrase it is that I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think that you think I am. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so now, as we've, and that was around like the 1900s, he like put that out and he was a sociologist. Um, but now there's people amending that and talking about the digital looking glass self. And that's exactly what you were just describing of someone who they have a, a IRL identity, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And then they have an Instagram identity that was shaped and molded and defined based on the reactions they got and reactions they were hoping to get to things that they were doing on Instagram. And then they went to TikTok and now their identity on TikTok has been twisted and molded based on the feedback and reactions they've gotten from things that they do there. Right. And so we're seeing like a fracture, a fracturing of self-identity based on where you are in the digital world versus in the physical world. Yeah. It's crazy because it's like there's so many bios who are like literally say like if you know me in real life, you don't. I don't even know. Yeah. Like the idea of like exactly what you're saying. Like you think you know me in real life, but like who you think you think I am in real life isn't who I think I think I am. Right. But this is fascinating because and exhausting. Like for so many people who just feel like that's all they are is this projection of a opinion of what your life is. So they construct it's how people construct their their self-identities is I did I did X and these people reacted in this way. And that either made me feel good or bad, therefore reinforce that behavior either positively or negatively. And now I'm going to shift my behavior because I I enjoyed that or I didn't enjoy that. Right. And that's why that makes these platforms so addicting is 
you get that that slot machine pull of I did this and 700 people liked liked this video and 300,000 people saw this video. That's awesome, right? And that's like, that's a shot of dopamine right to the dome. And so (laughs) then you do the same thing. You do it again, right? And it reinforces that, reinforces that, reinforces that. And it doesn't matter if that's who you thought you were or who you want to be. It's what makes you feel good so you move towards it. Yeah. It's that ultimate self of that almost it's that ultimate um like stamp of approval for like self-worth like this is where i stand in society or like this is like what i meant to contribute when really it's like absolutely meaningless like Which is you're a source of entertainment so you could be if you're an entertainment figure but like that's it right and now i think it's interesting right like uh because then if you look at something like Dunbar's number, which says that an individual can really only have at most 150 real connections, like real relationships, yeah. right? But we go on these platforms and it's 5,000 people follow me. I follow 7,000 people, 900 people like this photo, right? 3,000 people commented on this photo. And you think that's some sort of reflection on your relationship with them, your understanding of them as a person, your friendship, whatever, but it's it's not right. And it's not a sustainable, it's not a sustainable mechanism for maintaining relationships because it's not real. Yeah. It's interesting. I often think, or when I'm reading through like, you know, I'm, I've been blessed with like, as someone who doesn't deal with like mental health issues, like I'm not one to necessarily have a ton of anxiety. I never have suffered from depression and I recognize the privilege in that, but I know that they're, you know, based off of comments, not necessarily anybody in real life who are like, you got me through a really hard time. Like you were an element of escape for me. And so like this relationship that people feel that they've built with this personality which may or may not be true representation of the person portraying it, but that almost escape to this alternate space provided a gateway or a bridge into something like a better place for these people when they were in these like really low times, which I also find really fascinating because to your point, like you have these like meaningful connections, like 150 people when so many people subscribe to these elements as entertainment, but like that personality, they feel so many people feel like one, they can relate to it or two, they just enjoy it, that they feel that they've built this relationship with this figure that they've never actually interacted with and could in theory be argued that they feel that they have a relationship with this thing or this individual that would be one of the closest relationships they have in a really dark time when there's been actually no back and forth communication. Right. And so like to the earlier point of like, these things are good, but everything in excess can be bad. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, it might be great that someone can find escapism from something in their phone and just like have a sense of relief that quickly. But if that continues to be the only place where you can find relief, 
Like that's not sustainable. Yeah. Going to Instagram because you're depressed and like you need some sort of connection and you need some sort of meaningful relationship. Instagram isn't going to solve that problem. It's going to eventually make that problem worse. And the same goes for that person is like, this is great. I like doing this because some people that I don't even know get positive energy from it. They get escapism, they get whatever. That's awesome. Until you get to that excess point where it's like, you're sacrificing your own, your own time, your own personality, your own sanity to try and be that for other people. Yeah. Right. And so finding finding the balance. And I think that's like what we, yeah. And I think that's like when we see these entertainment like stars who are probably just in movies and they burn out and they're like, I'm stepping away from Hollywood. I'm stepping away from this other place, like from this space because I can't deal with the pressures because they feel the, they need to be on a hundred hours a day. Right. They walk down the street and someone calls them by their character name, not by yeah. their name. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. I actually think I'm much more interested in anonymity than I am in fame at this point in my life. Yeah. I used to always want to be famous, like absolutely yeah. always want to be famous. And like, not, I don't even think it was like, I think it was just like my Leoness, like just wanting to be in like the spotlight. But now I, I, I truly appreciate like just being able to like walk down the street and be, and like I moved to a city to be a part of a community, but like, I didn't want to be a standout person. Like I wanted to be like, like I almost wanted to just like fit in. And like, if I'm known for something, then like, cool. But like, it's not my goal. I wasn't moving to New York to like be the top and like the best in this space. I was simply like moving here to challenge myself. And like, those are the things like, yeah, like I totally agree with you. Like I really enjoy just like being me and like, I don't feel like I have anything more to prove. Like if I want to, if I'm known for something, it's because I want it to be that I like contributed well to society or like made a difference or an impact on something in a sector. And like, I'm renowned, like I'm, people are like, remember me for like something I greatly had impact on, but not because I was like a YouTube personality. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Like I would love, like, I would love to get paid to go speak at like the biggest design conferences in the world. Cause I'm like a yeah. designer and I'm at the top of my field. Like that is definitely something that I want to accomplish. I want to be one of the best people in the world who does product design. That's what I want to do. Uh, but I don't like being a Kardashian seems like the most disgust. Like it just seems so shitty. Yeah. And I think there's a reason why they're like, I mean, obviously they're stepping away from their show, but like, not that they could become any less famous, but like, I think that's tolling, you know, it's taxing. Like their entire family has all their secrets have been aired for the last 20 something years. Like how exhausting. And for your point about being revered, like that's just like, it's great because you're within like a sector that appreciates the work you're being done. Like you're not going to like, not be able to go to Starbucks because <laughs> everyone knows who you are. It's like, unless your product is like, uh, no, there's like no scenario. Like unless you live in like 
product developer USA and that's like a neighborhood for only product developers. But like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you're going to be well known within your vertical for contributing, not to greater society. And I think it's just like harder and harder to break into that anyway. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think everything is fracturing, right? You're not going to have, you're not going to have the Michael Jackson, Jay-Z, Beyonce fandom and fame that we saw in like, the late nineties and early two thousands, right? No, we're going to see instead of one person with 30 million fans, we're going to have 30 people with a million fans. Exactly. Right? Um, and that's, I think that's interesting. And like, it's interesting for the, for the world of like economics and entertainment, right? You're going to have, you're going to have a lot of people who are like pretty well off versus having a couple people who make all of the money. Right. Because in the past, that was that was the, in my opinion, probably the best part of being famous, was being famous. Most likely, meant you were really rich. Yeah, and having money is better than not having money. You can have your anonymity and be very, very wealthy. Yeah, there's and a lot like, of billionaires in the world, and not a lot of people know who they are. And honestly, what's more elite than being a secret? millionaire that's fucking cool yeah just roll in like giving you special treatment and then you can just drop a hundred dollar bill if you had good service and if they treated you like shit then you just are like uh you'll get 15 percent, like you normally do like yeah that's it it, i think it'd be great to just like ripped jeans and a shitty pair of vans all like worn out t-shirt and then some assholes talking shit need walk over and hop in a G wagon and just drive away. And just like, go fuck yourself, bro. (laughs) Oh, so good. But again, what's interesting too, is like, if you analyze like, okay, why do you want money? What things do you want? Why do you want those things? Do you want those things because they make you happy? Or do you want those things because of the, the aura of what you think or of what you think those things will give you. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you want the, you want the Gucci sweatshirt? Cause you were like a fan of Gucci and the brand of the legacy or because people would be like, Oh damn, he's got a Gucci, Gucci sweatshirt. Right. Right. Or is this a classic <laughs> example of the looking glass self? Because you want a Gucci sweatshirt because you think people will think X about you. So that's why you want the Gucci sweatshirt boom done um well, sociology 101 with uh, said and Logan West we're not here for very long but we are here for a good time so the entirety of our class we know nothing else about sociology <laughs> thank you enjoy the rest of your semester <laughs> that'll be seventy thousand dollars <laughs> yes oh dang so fascinating um so one cool thing oh one other thing i was gonna say um my other goal that's changed in life is i used to want like a six thousand square foot house yeah no i'm the same way i want to i want to i want i want multiple small very dope houses heck yeah like i want i don't need like i can have my normal family home be like comfortably big but I live in 200 square feet. I grew up in a home that was less than 2,000 square feet. 
Right. And I'm at a point now where I'm like, I would love to have the highest end appliances that I want in like a really small space or like a comfortably small space and do it well and do it right and like maximize my space and like have a great time versus having this like 6,000 square foot home that like I only live in one wing of. Yeah. I'm like, I, uh, what would you do? Like 600 square feet for you right now would be like luxurious. Okay. So this is the crazy part. So New York's real estate, totally on the downturn. There's like a hundred, there's like eight different units open in my building right now. So I went around and I looked at all of them because in my building, you, they leave the units open if they're vacant so that the brokers can just be like, oh yeah, go into the, if you can get into the building, like feel free to go up and check it out. It's easier for them to get more people through. Yeah. So knowing that I like went through and I was like, okay, like, let me see what like $400 more a month would get me. Now, normally this would be, these apartments would, were originally on the market for like 3000 a month. Right. And that's like a thousand more than I pay. And so now knowing that I'm like getting like, they're like $600 off a month. I'm like, okay, there's like definitely an opportunity here. Like do, can I like move into a one bedroom and just like, and at that point it's probably like the bedroom itself is like the size of my whole apartment. And then you have like the living space, but like even the way the living space is like put together, like I'm like, don't love it. And so I'm like, you know what? Like I use my 200 square feet way better than moving into this bigger unit. And my whole other thing is like, I'm not here to be like apartment poor. Like a lot of people in New York are apartment poor. Like they put way more of their paycheck aside for their nice apartment than they really could or should. And they can't, they live comfortably, but they can't do much else. And I'm like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, I pay already way too much in rent, but I live in a great neighborhood. And I'm like, I don't want to like, I just don't want to pay any more than I'm paying. So if I could like get a one bedroom at the same cost of what I'm paying, then I'd be more interested. But like, and maybe that's what happens next July. But like, other than that, like, I'm really also just like, the whole idea of moving sounds horrible. And I just like, don't really feel like moving. Yeah, I'm a, I'm very anxious to see what happens with the housing market and, and just, you know, the world in general. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I really wanted to buy a cabin. I know. I really wanted that cabin for you. Um, so I'll tell you my cabin, my cabin experience. Yeah. Tell me. So I found this place up in Wisconsin, just West, just East of Hinkley. Oh, okay. Hinkley, just East into Wisconsin. Great. So that's for everybody. It's like a two hour drive for Alec. Hour 40. To this place? Yeah. Oh, it's even that, it's that close to Hinkley. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Um, 20 acres. Amazing. 1,200 square foot, 1,200 square foot cabin. Mm-hmm. $80,000. Best in America. So the cabin itself had been built in 2010. Mm-hmm. Tin roof, brand new windows, ship up siding. The works, right? Mm-hmm. The interior was just studs. They hadn't yeah. done anything to the interior. Bare bones. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So I can do whatever I want with it. So 
I saw that and then I started thinking I'm like because when I when I was looking at cabins I was just like looking at cabins because I was bored one day and I was like well how much do cabins cost um and then I saw that and I was like wait a second this like is potentially something I might be able to afford like let's let's explore this so I started like exploring it and researching more and more and figuring out okay like this it didn't have a well and it didn't have a septic tank so you'd have to dig for a well and dig a septic tank which is an expense right and so like figuring all this out and I'm like okay I'm gonna uh I'm gonna talk to the uh the landlord the landlord the realtor Mm -hmm. let's get this thing rolling I got some questions like I want to know some things about the property I want to come check out the property whatever and by the time I got all that figured out contacted them and they're like we sold it today yeah and i was like son of a bitch uh so i haven't found anything else that i like as much as i liked that one um but i've been doing a lot of like kind of research about uh investment property or you know just buying property or real estate in general and so what i think is interesting is i think if you think about buying a house like i'm gonna buy a house like you think about like okay, I'm spending $350,000 on to buy a house or $250,000 on to buy a house or whatever, right? But if you change your mindset on that for a rental, and even if it's something like, you're not going to rent it full time, but like a cabin, you could rent half the time, 40% mm-hmm. of the time, or 25% of the time, right? Uh, especially right now, cabins are like, everyone's renting cabins. Right. And so if you look at it as okay, what, what type of loan can I get? And you look at the terms of the loan, what kind of interest rate, payment options, et cetera. Um, you can actually own a property for just the down payment. Hmm. So what do you mean by that? So if I buy, if I'm buying a cabin and there's, say it's this one, it's $80,000, right? And if I can get favorable terms on interest rates, even with a low down payment, which right now you can get favorable interest rates, you can get really low interest rates right now. Uh-huh. You, can you, can re- some, you can refinance some loans for 0% interest. Um, but say like $80,000, say I'm going to put $3,000 down payment on an $80,000 house. Right. Right? Well, now that property is mine. Yeah. I owe the bank the other 77, Mm -hmm. but I own that property for three grand. Yeah. And so now I can take however much money I need to fix it up, to adjust stuff, to do it. And then if I can rent it out for a weekend, a month, two weekends, a month, eight days, a month, five days, a month, you have income. You spent $3,000 and you can have a profitable property yeah. in a couple months. So depending on the property, it might be right away. Spend three grand, maybe spend 10 grand all up, fixing it up, whatever. Right. But your mortgage on a property that's $80,000 is 400 bucks a month. You rent it out six nights a month for 200 bucks a night, 150 bucks a night. You're covering your mortgage and actually double yeah, it. And then it just becomes like you either feed it straight back into the property and pay off the loan as fast as you can, 
or you divide it when it you hit the mortgage. You're like, okay, I already have enough for the mortgage this month. And then I'm putting the rest, half of my profit into a savings account in case something goes wrong and the other half back into the property. So I'm paying it off like 1.5 times or whatever. Right. And pretty soon, like if you, you're right, like if you can rent it enough times in a year, then it ends up, you're paid off the loan. You've paid off the property, not even with the money that your own money, you basically the income you made off of it. Correct. Do you have to pay taxes on that income? Cause it's a business. Yeah. So then once you factor out that, obviously, but I mean, obviously you have to pay taxes on everything, but yeah, you have to, you have to pay taxes on the land that you buy. Yeah. You own. Property tax. Meaning you don't actually own it. Meaning the government is fucking you for trying to own property in America. Also, it's better that you looked in Wisconsin because Minnesota's property taxes are so high. Yeah. Minnesota taxes in general are just high. Yeah, it's one of the most expensive places. Taxes already this year. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's insane. It's, yeah, I mean, New York is worse, but what's the state, what's the state income tax in New York, you know? No, New York. Because I know know there's, there's, well, there's a state and a city. And then a federal tax, you get three times. That's fun. Hmm. I think Minnesota's is around nine. I could be wrong though. That might that seems high, but who knows? Okay, hold on. Let me just put in my income into this calculator really quick. Okay. Hear all those zeros that you just put in? What? Did you hear that? I hope I just heard all the zeros that you had. <laughs> <laughs> so in New York, New York, filing single with my income as X, my state, um, my state tax is 6.2% and my local is 38 So 10%. Yeah. Jesus. My total income taxes, federal, um, my social security, my state, my local is 30.5%. That's too much. Yeah. You're telling me every, literally, I'm, I know it's, I knew it was about that much because whenever I look at my pay stub and I do the math, I see. And every paycheck, it says a million dollars. You're like. This is only 666,000. Like what the fuck? But I literally am like, I see, I know I see 62% of my salary. Fuck that. And that obviously includes 401k and that yeah. includes health insurance and all the other gish gosh, goobly goop. But 62%. That yeah. means I'm putting away like 38% of what I make. I, I don't see, or I'm not seeing yet. And that's why people leave the city. Right. And if you live outside the city, you're not paying the city tax. So then all, you automatically make more money. You get 3% back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the crazy. Texas kind of real enticing. 
property tax <sighs> in Texas, but not as high as fucking 10% income tax. Listen, you could have a boatload of land and do the whole like Prada moment where it's just like a small little building in the middle of nowhere, high-end luxury. I, one, that I think that Prada building's dope. Two, I would love to have like 150 acres and just like break it up into 10 acre plots and have just everyone's get got 10 acres. We all just hang out and you, and mm-hmm. one of the, you get, you buy 11 acres, right? And you have five on one side, five on the other, and then five plots. So 110 acres, mm-hmm. 11, 10 acre plots, five on one side, five on the other. And then at the center, you should have a barn, a bar, Fucking racetracks, pool, whatever, and it's just you and the homies, and you just have a little compound. I mean, that sounds that sounds it. My parents had talked about buying land near, like on the lake, um, yeah, as their next step, like what they're gonna do. But they're like, instead of building one house, what if we bought? What if we built like four little tiny homes, and like everyone just like had their own? Me and my parents were just talking about doing the same thing. And like that would be cool. Or just doing like a main house and then some like just some breakout areas to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, like you have your main quarters and then everyone has like a sleeping area. Or even like even doing separate houses, right? But like the 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 other houses are essentially they're just like studios. It's a bedroom and a bathroom. And so then if you want like things to go to the kitchen, like dining room, all that kind of stuff, can be at the main house. And then Mm -hmm. you have other houses scattered throughout where you can the whole family can go for a week, but you can not be all up in each other's grill for a week. Yeah. That's insane, man. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm here for it. I think that's like, I, after you were talking about that cabin, like last week, I was like Googling upstate, like what could I get for like nothing? And the crazy part was I follow this one woman named Christine McConnell and she's been on the search for this like, insane victorian like spooky manor on the east coast like that's been her dream she just secured one for three hundred thousand dollars and it's six thousand square feet in upstate new york she bought it sight unseen and she's like and she bought it with the money she's made on her patreon so like she's just like a creative woman who just like people appreciate her crafts and they've like you know they subscribe to her channel or whatever and she's like, with that money, like, I'm actually able to keep my home in California. And now I have this 6,000 square foot spooky mansion in New York. I'm like, what the? I'm like, I need a Patreon, like, or something. Like, I don't even care. That's, I mean, man. And that's where I'm torn because I like, I really don't like being in the city right now. Really don't. And I never would have thought that I would be the person to be like, I don't really want to be in the city right now. Like, I mean, I would, I would have, I would have assumed that I would never not want to be in the city, but right. I wish I had a, like a five, two acres of property, just fucking wooded secluded and just get everyone the fuck away from me. Like, that's what I want right now. Yeah. And so, uh, I would like to, I would like to be in the position to be able to do all of the above is have a place in the city and not necessarily Minneapolis, but in a city. Yeah. A nice, like having, having a cabin, like somewhat close to the metropolitan area of like the twin cities. Like if you can get within like an hour, hour and a half of the twin cities and then just like 
oh, I got to go to, I got to go to New York for two weeks for work. Cool. I'm going to take a car. I'm going to park a car at the airport or someone drive me. Yeah. Rent out the cabin that I live in for two weeks while I'm gone and then hang out in my small New York apartment while I'm there for work. Like that sounds like the ideal situation at the moment. I mean, I agree. I think there's something, you know, I, as much as I love the city as well, like I'm, I really do think there's something to be said about just like these spaces where you just kind of feel like when we're so bombarded by so many other things at the moment, like people is just like one extra element, like just take that part away. And you can like, like you said, like turn off your phone and like step away from it. Like it sounds so relaxing. Yeah. And I would just like hire like a massage therapist to come every morning at nine and that'd be my morning meeting. (laughs) (laughs) I got my morning stand up. Sorry guys. I can't. Sorry guys. I gotta, you know, you can't, you know, I'm not good before 1030 because I've got my meetings every morning. Jeff Bezos doesn't take any meetings before 10 a.m. So why should you? Yeah. That sounds like, I mean, he's done just fine. So. Yes. He clapped back at some like, woke anti-capitalist fuck on Twitter the other day and I saw it and it was hilarious. What are you saying? Uh, someone was like something about like how Jeff Bezos net worth has gone up. He's worth, he's worth $180 billion, blah, blah, blah. He's a, he's a sick individual, whatever. I don't remember the exact quote. And he, he came back and said, my net worth is $180 billion. Amazon is worth over a trillion dollars meaning that I've provided over $800 billion in value to other people. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Yeah, because is it legal for him to own stock in his own company? Yeah, that's, that's, why, he's, that, that's why he has a net worth. It's because he's a majority stakeholder of, I don't know if he's a majority, but he owns a large share. That's it's just company. like being in the stock market, right? So that's what happens right. in IPO. Like, right, if you have a startup... You're the founder. By the time you get to the stock market, you own 50% of the company, right? Then you issue more shares of the company for other people to buy. Yeah. That dilutes your position. So now instead of owning 50%, you own 35% because you issued 12 million shares. Um, But then your net worth is whatever that 35% uh, is worth on the market. Right. And that's why that people, makes sense. Yeah. People get mad that like Jeff Bezos is worth $180 billion. That's too much money. Well, he's not liquid. He doesn't have an, right. He doesn't have that in his wallet. Right. That's it's that because the, the Amazon stock price is so high. Right. Right. So if you don't think Jeff Bezos should have that much money, start selling Amazon stock. Don't let people buy Amazon stock. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the market saying that this guy created so much value that it's worth this much. Right. If you think it's too much, don't, don't use Amazon. If you think don't it, use it. Right. If you think Jeff Bezos is too rich, don't use Amazon, which means don't use Netflix, which means don't use Facebook, which means don't use Instagram because they all run on Amazon web services. Yeah. And like at that point, you're not really trapped, but you don't know you're not you don't know enough to like just simply like you can't just cancel it like that like 
you, there's so much that's running on that's that Amazon didn't become this powerhouse just by selling goods on a one-stop shop server. Like it's more, it's the technology behind all these elements. It's like, it's such a multifaceted company and you did, people are just think it's so like black and white. Like it's, they sell stuff. Technically. Yes. So does. If we look into uh, should Amazon be broken up and should antitrust laws be levered against them, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, because the answer is probably yes. But we're not in that class. We're teaching sociology. Sociology, yes. (laughs) Just laws down the hall to your left. Yeah, we'll be there on Thursday. Uh, At two. At two. Um, Yeah, I think people just need, like, follow the money, people. Everyone, like, yeah, it's like Blue's Clues. They're, yeah, and Blue's Clues is actually Green Clues, and the green is money, because that's the only thing that matters to anyone in power. That's like... Yeah. It's the way the world moves, literally. It's money. The, the, like, the, like, the overly wokeness, and that's happening in, primarily in America right now, of like cancel everything, be the most woke, whatever. Um, I, th- I think it was illustrated perfectly by Disney of how, just how performative it is by these huge companies that are like, yes, we're, we are woke. We hear you people. We are also woke. When they said that uh, they're going to have a hard time filming in Georgia because of some anti-abortion law that got passed in Georgia, but they filmed the new Mulan movie in the same province where there are, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Muslims that are enslaved in China right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have a hard time accepting your wokeness when it's completely performative and yeah, you don't have to film in Georgia because you can film in LA or you can go to a place where they have slaves in 2020 and film there. Right. It's probably it's probably cheaper to do it in China, just like it's always cheaper to do it in China. It's always cheaper to do it in China. It's much less reliable at this point in time. Oh, yeah. I mean, we really have uh, just a lot. We have a supply chain problem in America. We do. We have, a multi- we have shortages all over. You know what the other crazy part is? Um, just like people were out by, out purchasing, um, what do you call it? Toilet paper and hand sanitizer and all the crazy stuff. Yeah. Now people can't even get the uh, filters for their homes out on the West Coast because they're all sold out. Because people, you know, they're try- they don't know how long this like these poor air pollution conditions are going to last. Well, you know, what's great. Is that like, how long were we like out big air quotes around out of toilet paper? Right. Did anyone actually ever run out of toilet paper and be like, well, I don't have any toilet paper. Right. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that actually, I'm probably very few people relatively are, were like, I'm out of toilet paper. Right. Cause it was two weeks later, the shelves were stocked again. But the hand sanitizer was a different thing. Hand sanitizer is different, yeah. 
And so are the Clorox wipes. <laughs> I still don't have those at my CVS. Really? Yeah. Supply chain issue because I got them here. Full <laughs> three sixty. I don't know. Yeah, it's just crazy. Just so much like it's. It, I just I think the part that's most exhausting is everything feels everything, and you can like look at them any element every element of culture right now is so reactive there's nothing the only proactive like there just really isn't anything that's proactive like everything had like the entire wave that hits because you get consumed by all these things or like whatever it's all reacting and it's like like the there's just nothing that's moving forward that people are thinking of as like proactive or in in out of the box and like trying to lead their own charge. Cause it's just like, everyone's like busy reacting to something that they don't like, or they do like. And that's the part that I think is the most exhausting to me. And no one's offering real solutions. No. It's, it's through the person. They did this, right? This is bad. I demand, I demand that this be changed, but I refuse. I refuse to be specific about how I think we should go about solving those things. Sign this petition and I'm going to give you the three bullet points that worked in my favor. Cool. Great. Mm-hmm. What, the, what? You're not doing anything. Petitions don't mean anything. If I just find... Sign I, the petition. They have to talk about it at Congress. They have to be like, we got a petition. <laughs> you don't give a fuck. It's an acknowledgement. No, you're not politicians. Sorry. That's another thing I'm doing. They're not politicians. They're fucking public servants. Puppets. Public servants. Puppets I like too. That's a good one. Um, But yeah, a politician isn't a career. You're a public servant. You work for the people. Shut the fuck up and represent people, not your own self-interests. Understand the priorities of the area that you represent, and it's your job to articulate those at the higher level. My dad said something. I think this is a great idea. I think this is a phenomenal idea. He said that politicians should be paid the average and the median income of the state in which they they represent. That should be their salary. Should be the, the median income of the state that they represent. Yeah, I like that. Fuck yeah. Because if you're gonna improve the conditions of your state, your and salary you will directly improve. If you do better for your state, you will do better. Yeah, aligning your self-interest with the self-interest of the people that you're supposedly represent. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, a livable, basic income or like the basic um, what's that called? What am I thinking of? You be on. No, I'm just or just like the minimum wage. Like, if you focus on that as something that's like actually more livable in your state or whatever. Minimum wage is debatable because minimum wage rises, raises the costs of other things and minimum wages is for unskilled labor, right? Like we have to, we have to put some value on work and some value on production and output, right? That's one of the issues we have right now is people, people aren't creating things. We're not building things in America, right? Uh, like 
we just expect like things are here. So we should, we should have, we should have more. I live in America, so I should have more. You should produce and then you will get more, make more, you get more, you get in what you, you get out what you put in. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when people talk about like, there's, uh, sweatshops and they pay people 70 cents a day to make shoes in wherever Taiwan. Right. What you don't understand is that the way that the U S dollar converts to that local, whatever, uh, monetary system that that place uses, that is a wage that matches the value of that work. If you try and pay someone in Taiwan who makes shoes, what someone in America would, would make for making shoes, that person making shoes in Taiwan would be getting paid more than the doctors in Taiwan. Yeah, that's true. Right. And so there has to be some sort of like prioritization on the value we have to the work that people do. No, I totally agree. I think it's just like one of those. I think like just like as like the, you know, like if you, if the gap becomes too large, I guess like just like the things that I think about, like if the gap becomes too large, like as household, like houses become more expensive, like education becomes more expensive other things like people who are forced into these skilled jobs like the gap of them being able to reach any of those goals becomes like farther and farther away so like i only see it as just an opportunity like to recheck balances to make sure that that gap doesn't become so far out um out balanced that there's no real way for people to afford a better life um if that's like their only job. Now, I don't think that that person should necessarily make as much as people who have like advanced degrees and like other things like that. But like, I think like there are, there are some elements that can like be re like rechecked and like, you know, some of these people who make this minimum wage and they can't afford their hospital bill and they don't have really good insurance. Like, you know, like those, all those things start to come together and like, they can't even afford to like live so like if they god forbid they get hurt then they have they have more debt that accumulates and then they can't advance their life and like it just becomes this whole like cluster of a situation so those are just like the things i think so like you know like for me i'm totally a i'm totally um a fan of the idea of private and public health insurance you that you elect which one you want you can either pay into one or you have the publicly owned one that's a more affordable option. And by giving people an option, you have people who have better coverage at a lower rate. And then that's just like a standard thing by living, you get this. And then for those who want the private ones, then you have the private hospitals and public hospitals. And there's no worry about you walking into the ER and the doctor that happens to be on duty isn't covered by your insurance. Like that, those problems start to be eliminated and, if you've done everything right up to that point, you're not penalized because you went during the wrong shift. Right. Things right. like that. I think that the thing that we need to fundamentally fix, the thing that is, in my opinion, the, in the worst shape 
and doing the most harm is our education system. Mm-hmm. It is failing at every level. Yeah. You have luxury brands that are too hard to get into. So unless you're a donor. Go listen to the Scott Galloway podcast. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're a donor you or someone of high wealth, you're not getting in or you can't afford. You have... Um, accrediting bodies that aren't centralized. So like depending on who you've been accredited by means something totally different. So when you're looking for different programs, like are they, uh, who are they accredited by? What's their sources? Like what's their basis of like denying or approving a program? Understanding that you have different, you have major pay gaps in who can pay teachers what and depending on which district you're in and the districts all have different guidelines on like what is required for teaching and you have issues with testing in different states. Different states have better results, are producing better students. So we're not even like able to like look at the country as a whole and say these are what students are testing or like these are basic things that everyone should be getting out of. Um, and like actually monitoring that, like there's just so many problems with fundamental issues, like at a public system and even in private system, like none of them are governed by the same bodies and it's becoming so hard. And I, but the crazy part is I don't think the world is changing fast enough where it's no longer going to be needed to have an education. Like you're still going to need it or at least prove that you have the skills, skills not to need it. Skills are I'm a, I'm, I'm totally a fan of that. But until, but you're still years away from some of these people who are like hiring for like what they're looking for. Right. We have these so, old gatekeepers are like, Oh, you have a master's degree. Or we have algorithms that are sorting people out that aren't looking, are looking for certain X, Y, Z. And if you don't fit those or if you don't have it perfectly articulated in your resume, then you're not getting put up to the top of the pile. So like yet again, technology failing us versus putting a cap on how many people are actually applying and manually sorting through some of this stuff. Like you have to rely on, people are relying on algorithms to do it for them because there's both like an issue of more people being qualified and also people, more people, like there's just like less differentiators. You have multiple cookie cutter people who have just done the bare minimum. I went and did this. I got this piece of paper. It says that I studied this thing. What? Good for you. You might be a moron, right? You still, and you could have as many degrees as you want. You could Who's still be a stupid. Did, did, we, did you go to college with, right? Mm. I'm, asking, not, I'm not asking you. I'm asking the people who are listening, right? The people. How many stupid people did you go to college with? Do you think those people are more qualified than someone who doesn't have a degree because it wasn't an option for them, right? Like, it's insane. The teachers' union is the biggest union in the country. Yeah. Teachers' union, right? If you want to pay teachers more, guess what? You got to get rid of tenure. Yeah. If people, if teachers are better, there's a good teacher, someone who does really good work, really cares about their students, really puts in the time. That person should make more money. Or redefine it. If you have term, ter- if we should, like we have term limits for like senators and representatives, like, you know, like there yeah. should be a cap on that as well. But like 
okay, yep. now you don't have to worry about your job for the next four years. But if you are failed to update your curriculum and you're not like advancing yourself, and you're not being published, like regardless if you're tenured or not, like you need, like there needs to be a cap on like a review process. And like, what does that look like? That's a whole different, that's a whole different issue. There's a professor at the, at where, where we went to school, uh, that every year that I knew about this professor, uh, there was a petition sent to the department that he should be fired. I know who you're talking about. But they couldn't fire him because he was tenured. And not only was he tenured, but he was physically disabled. Yeah. And they, they can't fire him. And every year there's student petitions. This, like, he's not a good teacher. We're not in, value. Their enrollment shows it. Like, the people who... the if you were to actually track the data in terms of when those people are signing up for that class and how late, like who's choosing that class over, you know, like it, like track your data, you have it in your class registrar. I almost got out of taking that class. It's so close. (laughs) I never had to take that class. I did. So I didn't take that class. And then I got into all the, all the classes that were a, that I was supposed to have a prerequisite for all the classes that I took and I never took that prerequisite. Uh, and then they were like, you got to take that class. And I was like, ah. but I've, I've taken all the classes after. Yeah. I'm already ahead. Class, right. So if this, that's the level 100 and I already took two, three and 400 level. Why do I have to go back and take 100? Stupid. Right. Well, because you got to pay for those credits, my friends. Unless they're over 12 credits, then everything is free. Uh, yeah, that's why I got two degrees. And I know, I know that everyone was like, thought it was really great when people were like, Oh, these colleges, colleges are like doing like the one credit class. So people with out of, out of, uh, with international visas can come and still go to school. Right. That wasn't a political move. That wasn't like a, we stand in solidarity move by those universities. That was a, if we don't do this, we are going to lose so much revenue. We're going to be fucked if we can't get these kids to pay. Colleges make the most money off of international students, right? And so if those kids were going to not be able to stay and not be able to take their classes, because they could take them online. Mm-hmm. But if you say you can't stay here and you're going to take them online from wherever outside of the U.S., how many of those kids are just not going to enroll in college, right? Yeah, that's true. Most of International them. students pay, majority of the time they pay, they pay full price because they don't qualify for scholarships or financial aid. That's how the college system makes monies. Mm-hmm. Strong international pool. You have a healthier, intu- in, I wouldn't say intuition, but I meant institution. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. The world is wild. The end. You want to know what I'm, what I'm most afraid about? Hmm. Is right now we live, we live in a world where people have lost trust in one of our civil institutions. Are you talking about education? I'm talking about, I'm talking about right now it's police. It's right. Like we don't trust oh. the police and we don't trust the judicial system from right. to the judicial system. Right. We don't trust criminal justice in America. Right. Criminal justice may very well be pretty broken in America. I have no no doubts about that. 
But if you think that's the biggest problem that we have, like, you want to talk about like the banks and the manipulation of the stock market and the corporate oligarchy that is our democracy. Uh, there, are, there are some very fundamental things that are broken in the U.S. that I think are much more detrimental, or maybe not. Maybe detrimental is the wrong way to put it, because I think they directly affect these problems. Directly affect less people, but if more people understood, like how 2008 happened and the fact that nobody went to jail for what happened in 2008 in the financial markets and the um, mortgage-backed securities scandal. People would be way more pissed about all that. You know what I mean? Like, oh my Lord. Like, Or like... um... Elaine Maxwell just chilling. I mean, that's a that's a crazy fucking thing. But I mean, like you look, like looking back at some of the stuff, like the Iran Contra affair, right? And like, you know, there's all this like China and Russia are meddling in U.S. elections, right? Man, if people knew how much meddling was going on, not like this is where I get frustrated so much with the media right now is like. There's no evidence of external like voter fraud from these countries, right? Or like trying to tamper with the election from these countries. It's like you're looking at the wrong thing. I'm not worried about Russia or China meddling in the election because that's what they're going to do because that's what we do. Yeah. Right? But what's also happening is the Democrats trying to fuck with the Republicans and the Republicans trying to fuck with the Democrats. Yeah. Both probably doing some illegal shit to try and win. Easily. And so, like, I don't know, it just seems like like low-hanging fruit. The criminal justice system seems like low-hanging fruit of, like, this is a problem. It more directly affects people. But I'm like, if there's a scale of problems, I think, like, <laughs> government corruption and mass manipulation are a bigger problem than our criminal justice system. Yeah. In the long term. 100%. I feel like, I think it's like coming down to that whole thing where it's like, when we, like the way things were built was for a certain time and period. And we have to like, learn to like manipulate and build and advance the original rules and like why like everything was founded like you have you have to contextualize things people like take things like way too literally and they're like these are for the forever rules when in your life has anything ever been forever like when has your rules never changed like when have they never adapted because the situations change like it changes all the time for smaller microcosms of this country and the fact that you're saying this is this is it and it's like and I'm so exhausted by the amount of Democratic and Republican texts that I'm getting to my phone. It's crazy. That I'm like, they're like, and like, I will say like, my Democratic ones are like, are like, 
hey, it's come. It's like, hey, it's Joe or hey, it's Kamala. And tonight we're doing this. Like, would you like to support us? And the right, the conservative ones are like, Joe's, Joe Biden's America is burning. How could you ever? ever imagine a future with him and i'm like whoa this like this is comedic like what the who is writing these insane things like the democratic ones feel very like standard play but the right-wing ones are like hilariously like just wacko and so i'm just like oh my god another one like oh you're threatening like xyz like it is what it is but like I'm like, even if you were to like turn, like step away from like the articles, which I honestly sadly read daily about like where we're moving in the next 48 days or whatever. It's like, I'm one, it came, it doesn't even feel like four years ago that he was elected. But like the other thing is like, I just don't like, it just, it's harder and harder to move away from some of this stuff. And like, you know, like, I'm like, why am I being identified as someone who's, like, potentially centrist for this election? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, what's, like, where's your data? I don't know. I just moved into a lot of different tangents, but... Okay, one, watch The Social Dilemma. The Social Law? The Social Dilemma. Oh, yes. Like, now, immediately, everyone, watch it. I'm turning it on. I gotta go. (laughs) Like, it's... It will provide much more value to you than the rest of this podcast will. So go watch that. Yeah. Um, Literally, why are you still here? But this is, this is, the political spectrum is not linear, right? It's actually, it's a circle. Mm-hmm. Or, or as we learned long ago on this podcast, that circles are actually knots. Yeah. The knot theory. That was a fun episode. So, but in the so at the bottom of the of the circle, right, looks like a little power button, upside down, a little upside down power button, mm-hmm. right. That's where you have the actual like centrist, right. Mm-hmm. And the right and the left, they start to move apart to a certain point mm-hmm. to the axis, to the axis, the furthest distance in an object's orbit bad out of somewhere <laughs> and then they start to move back towards each other right mm-hmm. towards the top of the circle mm-hmm. and the far left and the far right are they're like the same fucking people they just they group a couple blocks away from each other right it's the fucking they both i hate i hate both of them because they both want to tell me how i'm supposed to live my life yeah and like, this is your friend that you went on, like one of you ordered vanilla ice cream, one of you ordered chocolate. You both loved ice cream. You both were people, but you have different preferences. That's all they are. It's, but it's become this extreme war that like death to those who think other, like in another way, like. Literally, literally death to other though, right? Like literally. People, people say like, Oh, fascist this, fascist that, right? But those people who are like claiming fascism on either side are the people who are being fascist. Yeah. Like Antifa is a fascist movement. I've never been so happy to be a moderate. You're not like dissent is necessary. 
it's horrifying. And for all the people who think that Donald Trump is a fascist, just, you know, if Donald Trump was a fascist, you wouldn't be allowed to set up a, a, a guillotine with a Donald Trump doll getting its head chopped off from the White House. That's not something that fascists allow you to do. <laughs> so, and that's what yeah. happens to Donald Trump. They also set up a guillotine with a doll of, uh, of Jeff Bezos in front of Jeff Bezos. Eat the rich. How dare they provide so much value to our, to our society? Crazy. I just, um, just saw this article because this is where I, this is how I just cope with every day that, um, Pennsylvania could be the single, and this isn't, this is all Pennsylvania is always up for like, yeah, whatever, but it will be, it could be the single state that decides the election. If Trump wins it, the, the forecast models for this, um, for him winning would be he's 84% chance of winning if he takes Pennsylvania. And if Biden takes it, there's a 96% chance he'll win the election just by, just by Pennsylvania alone, which is absolutely wild. I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, I, uh, I'm definitely afraid of the, like, the idea of like a democratic socialist, like that's bullshit. You're a socialist. And I don't, I, that fucking terrifies me. Um, but Donald Trump winning also terrifies me because then we'll have this like mob of people who will just start attacking and maybe killing people who fucking voted for Trump. Like that's, that's how I think it is. Do you consider Biden a socialist? No, but I also don't think Joe Biden is going to be president for more than six months or a year. Do you think Kamala is a socialist? No, I don't, but I'm just, I don't trust, I don't trust anyone in politics. I don't. No, no, that's true. But I just, I wanted to just pinpoint that particular comment because I find the reason why Joe is so popular is that he's like fairly like in the middle, but he's also just like a puppet a pawn yeah like that's all he has yeah like i i i'm not a fan of aoc and bernie sanders like i i don't want that new far left don't want it i don't want the far right i don't want the far left i love aoc i don't want either of them it's um we could always have a educated debate on a further episode but yeah I um, but you know what? Like, take a lesson, America. Alec and I know we have very different interests when it comes to our viewpoints, but yet we are still one of each other's closest friends because we can respect difference of opinion. It's weird how that works, huh? Yeah, it just it just starts with a. Um, we had a saying at Fordham that I always appreciated when we were. Um, we're rebranding some of our stuff and one of them that really came through as we so the jesuits right are like this old educated priest i will say because you have to go to far more schooling to be a jesuit than you do have to than you do a priest and it's no wonder why jesuits are more liberal leaning i will not necessarily liberal leaning because there's still like 
conservative in terms of their Bible, but they're like more open to like more interpretations of the Bible. They don't take it like as literally because they've done more academic study as to like when the Bible was written and what the context was and what was used as symbolism and what wasn't X, Y, Z. But that being said, not as many people like relate to old Catholicism anymore. So as we're rebranding at Fordham, we were trying to take the, the tenants that make a Jesuit education what it is, which is like pure personalis, like care for the whole person is what that translates to, and magis meaning more, and ominous pro alis, like everybody for everyone type of thing. Humans yeah. for all. How do Harry Potter spells, but continue. Right. It was so fun, especially Fordham because it looked like a Harry Potter set. So it was like you just went to divinity or like transfiguration every day. But that being said, one of our new tenants that we were promoting was debate with respect. And it became this really nice like center point about this idea of like the thing that differentiates Fordham from so many different places is this idea of like you're coming to a religious institution to study, but the culture that comes there while, you know, like diverse in location, like we always had so many people from different states and cultures and um, countries that when you would show up in your classroom, you were, people were coming from all different perspectives. And the idea was that you needed to be able to blend and talk about it seamlessly and like work together to see the other perspective. Otherwise you would never get anywhere. But by seeing other perspectives, you were all growing together and like by canceling other people and just eliminating saying that what they're, what they've proposed is inferior to what your opinion is, is like not doing anybody favors and you're not going to learn. And it's quite literally fascist, right? Like it's like, like you're punishing dissent. You have to be open to understanding other perspectives. If you don't, then you're just, you're only hurting the growth of this great country. And the reason that like you and I and you with anybody else and me with anybody else are able to have disagreements and not agree on the way we think things should move forward is because we bring to the table an understanding, or at least we give everyone the benefit of the doubt that they are coming from a place of good, right? They want what's best, not that they are doing this out of evil or out of evil is the best way you can say it. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's again, go watch the social dilemma because they talk about how these, these social platforms they create, and this is how 83% of Generation Z gets their news from social platforms. Right. That's true. Right. And so, but when you're on Instagram all day, right, and you see all this stuff, you see a bunch of Democrat stuff, or you see a bunch of Republican stuff, or you see a bunch of football stuff, or whatever it is that that algorithm has decided that you like to see, it puts you in a state of mind of like, well, this is what everyone sees. I'm just on Instagram. This is what everyone sees. I'm on Facebook. This is what everybody sees. I'm on your curated news network. This is whatever everybody sees. Right. But it's actually only serving you stuff that they're assuming and more than likely they are correct that you were, that you like, that you were interested in, that you will engage with. Right. Mm -hmm. So then 
once that happens long enough, when you see a different point of view, you're like, who the fuck are you? And why the fuck do you think that? That doesn't make any sense. Nobody thinks that you're a fucking crazy person because you've been indoctrinated to think that everyone sees this, sees the world the way I do. Look, look at my Instagram feed, look at my Twitter feed, look at Facebook, look at X, Y, and Z, right? They all think the way that I do. So you must be wrong. Except that person is having the same experience just on the other side of the fence. Yeah. That's true. And so if we can move back to operating from a place like, I understand why you think that and you're, you are well-intentioned in your thought process, right? We both want similar or the same outcomes. We have differing ideas of how to get there. Yep. That's a good thing. Agreed. Because if you... Iterate and see what works. Right. Pivot, test, pivot, test, pivot, test. Do we, is that our first person piece of merch? Is pivot, test, pivot, test, pivot, test. <laughs> you can buy it on our Shopify account. Uh, you can just Instagram shop it, you know? Yeah, yeah. TikTok shop. Successful, fucking horrible waste of space on the iPhone. <laughs> I don't have uh, about apps. I think, what? I said, I don't have opinions about apps. Not at all. I think we've, how long has this been? We've just served how much? An hour and a half? Hour 45? Um, let me look. I don't think it's even been that long. Wait, maybe it's been like two hours. It's been almost two hours. We gotta tell, we gotta give the people a break. That was, I mean, we went on a, we, we had a four week hiatus, so. It's true. They're going to be longer. They're marathons, not sprints. Exactly. And if you can get through an entire episode, good for you. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we barely we don't care how much to, like, are you even here? Like, this is just our, I, and to think our grandkids might listen to two hours of this, we're just kidding ourselves. So. Well, they won't have to listen to it. They'll be like, I want to, I want to know this this like what a what a like a two hour audio file is what like a gig and a half a gigabyte they'll be like inject this gigabyte into the neural link in my brain and it'll be like yeah they're like what's an mp3 file like we have no idea how to play that that's like a vhs tape and we don't even like, we have no idea what that is either it's just a, it just is absorbed into their consciousness like in the ether. we're all just gonna be yeah, it's just matrix we just like lay in a bed and everything's uploaded Okay, go watch the social dilemma because it, it, we're already in the matrix. This is this is my entire book. Is probably going to watch it again. It's the best documentary I've seen in a very long time. It is so pertinent. It is so hyper specific to the things that are going on today. It restored a little bit of faith in humanity for myself. I also, if, and if you can't tell, I'm a bit of a fatalist. So a fatalist. Fatalist. Yeah, I think in worst case scenarios and things that scare me the most, i.e., civil war. Um, but uh, yeah, go watch that and then go listen to, uh, the, your undivided attention podcast, which is, uh, created by the center for humane technology. I want to call this episode a fatalist and an optimist started a podcast. I, yeah, sure. (laughs) I'm I'm not completely fatalist, but I have, there's a, there's some threads of fatalism in my personality. That's for sure. I mean, and I'm not a complete optimist, but I definitely gravitate towards that area. 
I try to be optimistic, but I just like, I don't know. Shit's it's hard for me not to. I'm just like, I'm all, life's better in my optimistic realm. I agree. I agree. I just, <laughs> I just observe things and I got to call it how I see it. And so, uh, Fair. yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. Hasta mañana.